what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast. We are your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We hope to make you laugh, learn, win, and grow your golf IQ. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction for the Alan Burton Golf Academy at Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. You can find us on TheMesh.tv and all your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play, and many others. Be sure to check out all the other shows here on TheMesh.tv, all produced here in Western North Carolina. On today's episode, I'm really pleased to be joined by a good friend of mine, Erica Larkin. Erica is a is a sensation, uh, to say the least. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, a lot of different places on social media you can find her instruction. And I tell you, I've been a fan of yours a long time. I know we met at an Aimpoint conference at Cacique Golf Club, if I'm not mistaken, several years ago, maybe eight or nine years ago now, Erica. Oh, and man. I've been watching your career for a long time. So thanks for joining us. And, and how are you this evening? I'm great. Thank you for having me. And I can't believe that it might be eight years ago. <laughs> it doesn't seem possible. <laughs> yeah. Time flies, as as they say, when you're having fun. And I know you have fun. And for those of, of my listeners who are not familiar with you, I want to make sure that's not the case after they tune into this show, because you are worth watching. Uh, I love your Instagram posts. They're so beautifully produced. They're so perfect in terms of the message. They're so precise, concise, and easy to understand. And I know what you're doing is helping the game of golf in a big way. So talk to me about where all this has come about. Tell me, you know, what was your inspiration to become a golfer, a golf instructor, and and how did all this happen for you? Wow. Okay. So uh, let's see if I go the, in the way back machine here. <laughs> um, I, I started playing golf at an early age and my parents and I learned the game together and we really were fairly self-taught, which sounds crazy, but my parents weren't golfers and uh, we did a lot of self-learning from TV and magazines and just watching other people and filming ourselves. And uh, so it was a lot of uh, exploratory learning just to start with. And I think for that, I was always a golf swing nerd, <laughs> just, yep. you know, so it started early on uh, as I developed my own game and played in high school, eventually played in college. I played for James Madison University in Virginia here. That's what brought me from New York to uh, the Mid-Atlantic. And I have uh, called this home ever since I graduated uh, James Madison. I got a job working in golf. Uh, I knew that I wanted to be in the industry. Didn't actually know I wanted to be a golf coach until I started teaching a little bit on the side of my golf job, which was marketing and sales related. And uh, just loved it. And all my golf nerding came <laughs> back in handy when yeah. I started. Yeah, when I started teaching. So, you know, I always was interested in golf swing. I always wanted to try to make my swing better. I was always asking questions. And when I had access, when I was working at golf courses to any head pros that could help me, you know, I was open, open ears and um, certainly was anytime I could get my hands on um any technology they had, I would mess with it and I would use the fitting carts and I would see what worked. And I was just always interested in, in certainly making myself better. And I think through all of that time uh, and exploring, 
it certainly at least gave me a foundation to start helping other people because I had enough golf IQ about swing and equipment that I, I could start without honestly any formal training and coaching. So uh, that kind of began my teaching life. I became a, a first assistant at a country club here in Virginia and spent five or six years there building my teaching business and and obviously doing my PGA certification and I eventually left there to um, move to a public facility that I was able to then build more of an academy out. So I had uh, people working for me. We did golf schools, and I just really grinded out a ton of volume from uh, you know for those years that I was at that public facility. So I, I've certainly gotten to know the golf instruction business very well on the ground level. You know, growing programs and marketing myself from a just local standpoint and getting involved in local networking groups and advertising in the local paper and trying to do my own press releases. And so I think I have my my marketing degree from college and then my just grassroots approach in building my teaching business. I just kind of figured it out as I went along and uh, had a lot of good ideas that uh, I wanted to share with my students about golf swing that were also pretty homegrown because I never went out and worked for um you know, a, another top 100 teacher that sh- just showed me the way. I kind of just figured it out on my own. So I think through a lot of that experience, I had a lot of my own ideas that I was trying to test and see what worked and eventually uh, came out with uh, or came up with, I should say, a framework for my f- teaching philosophy that I eventually wrote in a book um, in 2017. So I think at that point I kind of was you know, settled into a teaching position and had written my, my thoughts down on paper and wanted to take some time to really self-invest and market myself to grow beyond the regional, you know, presence that I had and try to get my message out there a little bit more. So honestly, it was around that time that I turned to social media to really explore the possibilities of, of using my platform and my teaching philosophy to, you know, build, make more content around the ideas and, and then also try to carve out my own niche on social because I felt like there was so much content being produced that how could I do things a little differently and, and obviously make it fun and creative. So all of those creative juices kind of started to flow. And, uh, in 2018, I really hit the ground running and was consistently posting on a lot of these platforms and, pretty quickly started seeing results and and more followers. And uh, I'm pretty happy with the growth that I've had the last few years with all the the effort I've put in. So definitely it's been a journey, but I'm happy to be here at this point. Yeah. I mean, you're still, you're still very young. You have a long career ahead of you, but these last four or five, maybe six years, I've been watching your career and it's just exploded. And um, I think what you can share with the listeners, not only the golfers out there, but maybe some of these younger golf instructors, some of the uh, best practices that you've used, and obviously social media being a great platform, you've done a great job there. And what I would want to say is, um, you know, you sound like the, the ultimate student of the game. And, and, and as a result of that, you know exactly what your students are doing in their own efforts to get better. So you have a great perspective for what they're trying to accomplish when they come to you uh, for a lesson. So that is obviously a comfortable environment for the student. They already know you've been there, you know, right? You, you've worked through some of these things that they're trying to figure out as well. And that's kind of where I, th- I think uh, we have a great position. Um, 
tell me a little bit about your average day. I mean, you are you working in the golf shop and normal duties there, or is it just instruction for you every day? It's just instruction. So I uh, try to uh, get in the gym three or four days a week to stay healthy and strong because, you know, people don't, I think, recognize how physically and mentally demanding teaching is. Um, so I've been trying to really you know, make, make the time through the golf season, which I had not done for uh, some years and, um, you know, really stay healthy. So I try to get up in the morning early, get the gym out of the way, because if it doesn't happen in the early morning, it's not going to happen. So, uh, after I, I get a little workout in, I, I try to, uh, you know, get everything set straight at home. I, I hit the, the golf course. I go up to Creighton farms, uh, usually between nine, 10 in the morning. Uh, and then, um, you know, get on that lesson tee and, it depends on the day. Sometimes I'll start a little later and stay later. Some days I'll start early and finish a little earlier, but I've been averaging anywhere from six to 10 hours a day, you know, peak season on lesson, just actual teaching time. And of course, setting up, break, breaking down different events, whether it be junior golf classes and camps or, you know, some adult classes that uh, we typically would run. Uh, with COVID right now, you know, we're not doing a whole lot of group stuff on the adult side, but um, definitely tons of private lessons back to back. And I take people through all the areas of their game. So there are some days where I'm heavily just on the driving range, but a typical day might, you might see me on the range for a couple hours and then maybe I'm on the golf course for a couple hours and I come back and you'll find me on the putting green, teach an aim point. And then I run a junior clinic at five o'clock and it's just, I feel like I'm everywhere. Um, and you know, I'm on the go. I, I, uh, am currently waiting for the delivery of a learning center building to be completed here at the golf course. And so that, yeah, I'm very excited about that. It'll give me some shelter and a nice place to put a lot of equipment that I have that I, you know, always, uh, I have to just, you probably know this and have been there, but being out in the elements and, and just loading myself up on a golf cart every day, there's only so much equipment <laughs> I'm going to set right. up. So That's right. I've, I've been pretty lean in my equipment, especially this year, because, you know, I'm not bringing up a ton of training aids that then have to be sanitized. Uh, I'm really working off of a different, a different vibe right now. Um, sure. I do some, I do some video, but a lot of the video I capture, I wait until the end of the lesson and I just email it to the student uh, so it's kind of changed a little bit this year, but typically I'd have a cart full of toys and, and, you know, try to pick and choose what it is for that student that we might need to work with for that time that we're together if it's a, a typical practice session. So yeah, that's a, that's a typical day. I'm, I'm teaching it out. I, I, I'm a director of instruction as my role at Creighton Farms. Uh, I'm able to teach members and non-members. So I see all kinds of different levels of players. I mean, I have, you know, high school state champs. And then I have, you know, new golfers and then I have three-year-olds. <laughs> like, yeah. It's everybody at any, any time. <laughs> I think sure. a really big mix of students. Yeah. I do not have a niche per se. Yeah. Well, how many instructors work with you there underneath your direction um, currently? Mm -hmm. So I moved to this private club about five years ago, and it's a smaller, uh, smaller membership. We have 18 holes, but only less than a couple hundred members. And it's kind of meant to be a little bit smaller base facility. So uh, we are growing. There are quite a few families. Um, definitely, we have a healthy growing junior golf program. 
Um, but I pretty much run, I was going to say 80, 85 to 90% of most of the instruction demand there. And the group, the group stuff that we do, I basically pull the assistants from the shop to help me. We have an intern as well right now. So between the head pro and our assistants and our intern, I mean, they all rotate in to help me as whatever their schedule allows. And I basically work with them to, uh, coordinate our efforts with the group stuff, but you know, they, I'm, I only have so many hours in the week. So if I get too busy, I certainly refer business to them as well from some of the members that I just can't, can't accommodate. Um, Mm -hmm. so it it works out very good and, um, it's going to have to continue to evolve as a team of instructors. I think that down the road, when this learning center gets built, we probably will, um, you know, be expanding our team and, and taking a harder look at what club fitting looks like, which has not been, a big strength of ours at our facility, uh, up to this point. So, you know, there'll be room for, for more, uh, people to team up with and to collaborate with. And I think what I'm excited most about too, is having a place where I can plan better events because I've always wanted to do a lot more with bringing in, you know, guest instructors or specialty people, fitness or whatever, you know, and it's hard to plan five months out with someone and and bring somebody in from out of town and then, you know, be worried about the weather. So I really, I really would like to do a lot more of that moving forward once this learning center gets done. So I've done a little bit of that, but it's, it's far and few between. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your learning center. I mean, what type of, are you having a couple of bays or how many bays will you have? And and talk a little bit about that facility. So we're going to have three bays, uh, two large ones that'll encompass a full track man setup and and convert into simulators in the winter. And then uh, our third practice bay will be a little bit more scaled down, but at least we'll provide a, a sheltered area for members to practice or warm up before a lesson. Uh, so yeah, we'll have three spaces and then a putting lab and, you know, restrooms and storage facility, storage closets, and I think a workbench for a uh, club repair and, um, fitting equipment. So it will be totally outfitted. We're looking to other technologies besides a track man. I believe that that's going to take care of most of the phase one rollout of technology. And I'm, I've got a wish list in of a lot of other things I'd like to add, but, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. some of, some of it, uh, will come in, in steps and phases. So, uh, the, once the building is complete, we'll layer in more technology, I'm sure as the years go by, but to start with, it'll be heavy on that and, um, um, lobbying for some other putting technology, hopefully we'll be able to accommodate that. So. Well, you make sure you have an office space in there with a nice wardrobe closet because it looks like you'll need that for all your Instagram videos. <laughs> the wardrobe changes are you know important, right? <laughs> you oh always my God. look phenomenal in your, in your videos and well, your thank outfits. You. So, ladies, uh, <laughs> watch Erica on her Instagram feed for style uh, examples of what you should look like on the golf course. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, with with all this being going on, this COVID thing, I know in and trying to adapt, are you doing much of, a, of an online uh, presence? Do you teach through the internet? Uh, and if so, how much, what percentage of your lessons are usually utilizing the, the online approach versus coming to see you in person? Yeah. So I, uh, I offer uh, different options for people to sign on to do online lessons with me. I use coach now as an app that I post videos too for my students that I see in person. And so basically if somebody wants to sign up for an evaluation or an analysis of their swing, they post videos into uh, a safe training space, a private training space in that app. And then we can converse. I'll 
annotate the video and also film myself showing what kind of drills to practice and and explain anything that I need to explain from their uh, videos they posted. So, you know, I'll go back and forth one time with a person if they just want a quick look, but a lot of times we'll do a monthly program or a monthly unlimited. So, I mean, that student can post videos as much as they want, and some people take more advantage of it than others. Uh, You know, so I have some clients that will post once a week, and I just respond as soon as I can. Other people will post a lot more practice videos as they are out on the range. And then I try to at least comment and, um, you know, make sure that, that I'm staying in touch with them. So I have, you know, definitely at any given time, especially since COVID, I would say I've, I've definitely experienced a bump in online, uh, lessons. And with all the social media, it's a nice way for me to connect with people abroad that aren't able to get here, you know, Mm -hmm. regionally. So, it's, if anything, it's allowed me an opportunity to uh, grow that business. People have been more responsive to just try it. And as busy as I've been coming back to work, I've had to push people off three, four weeks to get in for a lesson. So in the meantime, I've been suggesting, hey, like, you know, I can't see you for a month, but if you want to start with an online lesson, at least I can give you a look, give you a few things to start to work on. And then when I meet you, we already have a baseline and I already have seen your swing once or twice. And we can kind of get into it a little faster because a lot of times, as you know, a first lesson in person, you know, if if I have an hour or an hour and a half with somebody, the first 15 minutes is just getting to know them and and asking Mm -hmm. questions. And so before you even dive into making any kind of changes, I mean, it could be a half an hour goes by uh, or sometimes not. I mean, sometimes it's quicker, but it getting to know someone is really a big deal. And if I can do that over the, um, online before I even meet that person, it definitely seems to expedite the process. Once they show up, we can make a little bit more of that time together. So I think it's great. And I I think that uh, a live lesson format is good too. I've tried some FaceTime lessons with people. The tricky part is if the video is not coming through clearly, or if, you know, they're trying to make swings while they're at the driving range and their camera is not in a good position because they're They've got it on the floor or something, you know, it's just hard yeah. sometimes to, um, do a good live lesson on video, not to say it's impossible, but if the student's prepared and they have a good setup, it certainly can work. Uh, it's just, I think it's just as easy to trade, to trade videos and comment that way. And it's a little bit more of a, um, controlled environment and everybody can kind of, you know, digest the information and, and work on it at their own pace. So. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan, and I think it's going to continue to evolve. Uh, I'm working on some stuff right now with uh, the Orange Whip guys. They're going to be launching a new platform at the end of next month, and it'll be more online uh, instruction, but using the tools that they offer, as well as um, having the fitness component with Brian Newman, who's going to be also customizing, you know, some workout plans and programs for people to. Uh, supplement the swing changes. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. That'll elevate my game in terms of online instruction. Uh, It'll take it up a notch, especially if somebody knows they're also going to get legitimate exercises to work on. Um, If they already have the orange whip equipment at home and the power peel that, you know, is out there, then this is a way for them to have customized instruction to work with that stuff. So it's going to be pretty cool. That's just going to be a new project for me to get involved with this fall. And, yeah, uh, yeah, so something new, I think a lot of the, the, the direction I've seen, you know, golf instruction going with, with the internet and, and the strength of, 
of YouTube and video and so forth is is putting some content out there that is generic enough that the the end user can find the information they need and not directly tie you up as an instructor in in a one-on-one relationship. I mean, they're still getting your content. They're getting your message. They're getting Instagram does that to a degree, at least puts it out there that you are a talented instructor and have the information that these consumers want. Uh, but they, they probably want it maybe in a little bit larger dose, you know, and certainly Instagram is limited as to what you can communicate there. But uh, yeah, it's something that's in between a live lesson. They come to see you in person versus just being an Instagram tip. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great, a great platform for getting the message out there. You know, I see these monthly programs where you can be a member and you can watch unlimited video from a, a library of, of uh, content. You know, so I think that's a, a great way to go. If you have the time and the, and the wherewithal to produce mm-hmm. great video content, uh, then you can make it available that way. I see a lot of folks doing it that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm an older guy. I'm an old instructor. I'm 58 this, this summer. I'm not so sure that's going to be my platform because uh, I chose the podcast platform. That's awesome. My mom said you always had this face for radio. So rather than do a lot of video. Oh. Uh, I decided this would be my my step into the medium uh, of podcasting, but I love it. It's great. It's a good. First of all, it's a great name (laughs) forecast, and you have a good and you have a good voice, and you're asking good questions, and you know it's awesome. If you have interesting people to talk to, I think that you know it's a nice format, and podcasts have become so popular. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. I, I enjoy listening to podcasts. I enjoy listening to friends that have them and, uh, and the information is always good. So we're always learning and you, know, you and I both are students of the game and, and we, we've learned from so many people and we want our students to learn. At the end of the day, I want my students to enjoy golf and get better. And I don't have all the information and they don't want to hear it all from me if I did. So, you know, we're just embellishing our message by reaching out to talented instructors like yourself. And hopefully my students will tune in and they'll hear something from someone else that, that resonates with them that maybe I've said in a different way and they hear it from somebody else. You go, well, you know what? I think you did say that to me, but it sounded so much smarter when Erica said (laughs) it instead of when you said it, you know? So that's what we're hopeful for really is to help our, our game grow. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Are you much of a competitive player? Do you get to play tournaments, or is that something that you've put aside due to all the other activities you have? Yeah, it's so much going on in life. I, I wish I could say yes to that. I had some some lofty goals this year to play 52 rounds of golf. <laughs> I, think yeah. I, I think I'm at five or something. It's not, okay. it's not good. Um, COVID really put a damper on that because I lost my momentum. I started out with a bang early in the year and uh, I was hopeful that in March, you know, I was going to get on a roll and kind of get in a routine where I could make that a part of my weekly, um, weekly, Mm -hmm. weekly plan. You know, I mean, if I, as a golf professional, if I can't play at least nine to 18 holes, at least once a week, what am I doing? So I do want to play more golf. I don't think I have a big competitive drive at this point in my life. I played college golf and I, as a young assistant, I played in some section events and, and certainly was work, had time to work on my own game more. I don't have, 
I don't, I don't have that time. I don't take that time to work on my own game a whole lot. Um, I'm certainly not afraid to go out and play socially and recreationally with anybody. I mean, I feel confident enough to do that on any given day, but it's different. Tournament golf is different. You have to be tournament ready. I'm not playing enough tournament golf to feel like I'm prepared to really be competitive in my section. So I, you know, if I could spend a Monday, um, playing in tournament versus spending a Monday getting stuff done at home or, or making content, I'm probably going to make content or do something at home with my family. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's more, it's more fun for me right now. I get more out of it. I feel like I'm accomplishing something because to roll the dice and not, sh- not be totally c- secure in how I'm going to play and ultimately give up a whole day and an entry fee for, for right. what, for right. what I, I don't, I don't love it enough to play. Com- I don't love competitive golf enough to want to spend my day doing that. I have a lot of other things I want to do. And I, you know, again, I'd rather if, if it came down to play or teach, I'd rather just teach. Um, sure. You know, I do have fun playing with students. I've made a point this spring that when I'm out in playing lessons, especially with students that I, I've known for a long time, like I bring my clubs and I tee it up with them. Uh, for some students on the course when I'm taking them out, you know, it's really more about, it's it's about them, first of all, and it's about caddying for them and and being right there for them and talking them through every shot. And so as you can probably appreciate, it's hard to concentrate on your own game if you're trying to do that for somebody else pretty intensely. So I just, I don't even bother half the time. I just know that it's not a time and a place for that. And, you know, there will be a time and a place for that, but um, no, it's not a big part of my, my life right now. And I, I just, I really would love to do more recreational playing. I want to do more travel. I think that down the road when my kids get a little older, my kids are fourth grade, seventh grade, they have a million activities going on that I want to be there for. So those extra hours when I get done at work, I'm, I'm going home to, to deal with, with them and, and, and enjoy what is going on at home. And so, uh, I'd love to stay after work and play nine but it's just not in the cards right now, you know? So totally understand. I mean, with your young family, I mean, is your husband a golfer? I would assume he is. And, um, he plays about once or twice a week for, you know, recreation and also for business. And he's, he's very competent and, and we have a good time when we play together, um, against each other. I mean, if he plays back and I play a normal, you know, set of tees, normal white tees or something, we, we pretty much can tee it up and play head to head and, and maybe I give him a couple strokes or something, but it's pretty even, yeah. <laughs> pretty wow. even. So yeah, we have a good time right. playing and I wish we had more time to play more. And I, we've definitely gotten the kids out on the course over the years, but neither one of them seems at this point, super passionate about it. So it's yeah. sometimes, you know, when we get a Sunday where I'm maybe off work and I'll say to the kids, Hey, like you want to go play court, play the course today, or you want to go out, we'll play nine holes. We'll play a family scramble. We'll go just hit balls at the range I don't get met with a lot of enthusiasm. So, uh, you know, we always default to some other family activities. And, and unfortunately, right now, golf's not high on that list for them. And I wish it was, but they, they probably, you know, they'll have their own passions. And, and uh, I just want golf to be enough in their life where they have it as a skill. And at, at some point, if they light, it lights a fire for them, then, then awesome. But I, the yeah. last thing I want to do is force it on them. So, Well, exactly. You're wise in that, in your parenting skills. And as a golf coach, to know that would be a bad thing to do. And, and a lot of parents want to push the game of golf on their youngsters 
And they don't accept when their kids say, you know, it's just not that interesting to me. And, right. and you know, you really could leave a bad taste in their mouth the more you push. Right. It's best to not make it available to them and almost starve them of golf. Say, nope, sorry, you can't go play unless you, uh, unless you do this or this. Right. Right. And I think that's a really wise thing. And so they'll, they'll come to it sooner or later. And if they don't, it's okay. They'll choose their own direction. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And they certainly have a skill set. I mean, they both can hit the ball and they know the rules and they've played junior league. They, they've played enough that they, they can go out and play golf if they wanted to whenever, you know, it's just a matter of whether they want to. So, so when you play with your husband, are you prone to be a coach and try to help him or is he try to coach you? Where where do you see that? I've coached him. I've coached him over the years, especially, uh, you know, inside a hundred yards. Um, he has a pretty good long game and we've also yeah. reined him in. He was a former hockey player, played at a high, played at a professional level. He has a ton of power. Um, and, and as that goes right at the more power you have, you don't necessarily have all the control in the world. So, yeah. you know, there were a lot of, uh, natural abilities there and it was just more dialing in balance and footwork and stuff for him. He has great, great, uh, control and hand eye and ability to shape shots. He already had that, you know, from just, I think his own play and and hockey and stick handling and all. So, um, so yeah, I didn't have to teach him a whole lot in terms of ball striking, but definitely a lot of finesse stuff around the greens. He's, he's picked up from me and, um, certainly putting and uh, yeah, so it's been fun. I only, again, when he asks, then I coach, otherwise I don't say anything. I know when to shut up. So Yeah. You, you throw the wager out there as a winner buys dinner and you leave the rest for some fun. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you, do you think back to, um, I'm thinking about this, this thing, aim point, you know, you and I go way back with the aim point process and back to the early years with the book and the chart that we used to teach out of. Do you remember the first time you saw the process and, and tell me how you thought about it? What was your first experience with the aim point process? Um, so I was a member of, uh, I guess at the time it might've been called proponent group, but it was a, a teacher's organization. And so they had a summit down in Texas, I think at the four seasons, maybe Dallas, Fort Worth or something. And, um, Mark Sweeney was there giving a demo to all these instructors about Aimpoint. And he had, we had a massive putting green there and he was talking about uh, anchor points and fall lines and he was predicting the break and he was rolling putts as he, as he just, as you know, Mark does. And I was floored. I was like, this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. Where was this all my life? And, um, you know, I immediately went over to him at the end of that seminar and said that I wanted to learn and obviously whatever certifications he had, or could he come train me? So I want to say that if that was in the fall of some, uh, maybe like, could it have been 2010, 2009, maybe even, I don't know, somewhere in there that, that, that PGA show, um, I connected with him again and we set up a time that for that next, you know, few months from after that to, to come to Virginia and, um, and train me. So that, that was the beginning. Uh, I learned the midpoint read and did a whole bunch of classes those first few years doing that. And then when express came out, uh, it was awesome there for a couple of years. I mean, I've done it. I did a ton of aim point classes at the facility that I was at. I was running several a month and I would teach private lessons and I still do some of that. It's a lot, uh, less, uh, 
I guess the frequency of the classes I run is, is less often, but I, I still have interest in it. And a lot of people, it's amazing to me. A lot of people still don't know it. <laughs> like I would exactly. think I'm sho- always shocked by that. And then when I finally teach it to them, maybe we have a package of you know, six or 10 lessons and we'll take one of the lessons and, and run through it. And, uh, they're always, always so happy and amazed by it. And I'm like, right. yeah, it's been around for now, you know, 10 plus years. Like, where have you been (laughs) it's it's like somebody's got a 25 year old driver and they're happy with that and you say well hey have you heard about this new driver it'll give you about 25 more yards and it's like why didn't you know this golfer know this was around it's um they're watching tour players do it and succeed with it and you just yeah i I think it's an amazing thing and i still i love sharing it to people watching their face when they're they're picking better targets and making better better putts and making more and three putting less and all the things that they complain about and this helps them yeah, I, I never really, I never get tired of teaching it. Like, you know, there is a certain format to the class. And when I teach it in a private lesson, I might, you know, not follow that exactly depending on the student, but it's pretty standard delivery for me. Like I've got it so dialed in with how I, I teach it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it come, it's easy to teach, but it's, I never get bored like showing it to somebody because I know yeah. that they're going to see results and, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fun. It's just, fu- it's like a big, once, once everybody, once their eyes light up and they realize they understand it and that they have this new tool set, it's like, it's like a game. Like how many putts can we make? You know, <laughs> You're like you so, gave them a lifelong Christmas yeah. gift when you teach it to somebody. It's like, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So with your, uh, your average day and you're teaching six to 10 hours and you're going home, are you, um, are you that, that situation at home where you go home to a nice prepared meal, your husband good in the kitchen, or is that still <laughs> left up to you when you get home? You got to oh, get meals ready for everybody. I have, uh, I'm definitely spoiled in that he knows when I'm in the peak of my season, like right now that, uh, I come home pretty hangry. <laughs> so he- yeah, <laughs> so he's, uh, he's really good about making dinner many, many of the nights. And if I know that he's not a- available to do that, you know, I plan accordingly. And I-, I certainly don't, I'm not afraid of, of getting my hands dirty in the kitchen. It's just a matter of time. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and so on the days that I have off or, you know, we have a family day together, like on a Sunday, obviously I'm helping out in the kitchen. The other, the other part of my spoilage is that I grew up, my dad is a chef, a career chef. So I always was very lucky with, with people cooking for me. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm definitely spoiled. Well, I don't think it's necessarily, it would be bad for me to say that it's a woman's job to cook because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a wife that can. I do not because she's so good, but it's not necessarily the woman's job. I could make something if I had to, but certainly blessed in that category myself. But there that's you great. go. Yeah. Make yeah, it happen. That's he awesome. Does. He's does. Good. Yeah. So listen, I tell you what, with, with everything that's going on and, and you busy as you are, what, uh, what's next for Erica Larkin? I mean, you, you talk about, you're going to do some stuff with, uh, with Jim over at the orange whip. You're going to work mm-hmm. on that. Yep. Is it, is it in the winter time? Do you get to kind of cool down and do some travel or what do you like to do in the off season? What's next for you as the season kind of winds down? Cause you have a shorter season, I'm assuming where you are than maybe further South. 
Um, a little does bit. Your get, does your weather get bad and snow and get icy? And if so, what do you what do you do? Uh, I've been using an indoor studio not too far from my main uh, country club, and uh, this year we'll see if the learning center is totally done. Then I'll have I'll have that as a nice option to just move into and, and get going with programs. But typically a winter week would be, you know, maybe more like 20 hours a week instead of 40 or 50 or more, you know, so it definitely scales down, but I also have been at the mercy of what availability I have at these different studio locations where I can rent time. So I think that in the future, if I have access to unlimited scheduling, I'll probably work a pretty full week, even through the winter. Um, but I do enjoy taking some extra time off through the holidays, PGA show, uh, take an extra vacation here or there, or a long weekend with the family somewhere. So we do try to take more time away uh, in the winter. And I you know, have done a golf school here or there abroad. I think that in my future, as you ask, like what's next for me, I would, I've definitely got some collaborations you know, in the, in the queue. And I'm looking forward to doing a little bit more on the road golf schools, teaming up with some other instructors and some destinations. So I think as the platform of social media grows and the, the demand is there in certain hotspot locations, if I can find my way to California once a year, if I find my way to maybe Chicago once a year or find people that, you know, I can team up with and host schools with in these various locations. I think that I'd love to work more of that into my schedule, particularly, yeah. particularly in the off season. Um, but you know, through the year as well to continue to have a presence outside of, of this region. Um, and, and just, you know, have some fun doing it. And depending on how things go, I'd love to, to get to a point where, uh, it's a little bit less of the daily grind, although I do really enjoy being on the lesson tee. I mean, a little bit less of that and a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. you know, special events. Uh, certainly, I want to capitalize on trying to sell more digital products. Right now, I just have my book, but I really want to, with all the content I've been producing, I think I finally you know, have a pretty good flow of, of how, I can pr how I can film and edit and and all of that. So I, I have my mind around some different online products that I can pull together here probably within the next year and uh, start to market those to the digital audiences that exist on YouTube and, and on Instagram and so forth. So uh, I want to definitely be able to do more of that so I can, um, I can monetize my online presence a little bit better and reach more people. I mean, at the yeah. end of the, at the end of the day, it's about scaling yourself. And, right. you know, if there's only so many hours in the week, there's only so many students I'm going to see. So that's why online lessons are fun, because I can reach more people at different times of the day. And I can also, um, if I can travel, I can reach more people. And if I can reach more people by having products available that are in an organized fashion, different curriculums and and specialty topics and, and things that people can follow along and practice and learn. I think that that would be probably the next step for me. So I'm working on some of that right now. And I've got a laundry list of things I want to do in that arena in the next, you know, year or two. So it just all takes time. And that's why if I have this big to-do list that I'm motivated about that when I'm not on the lesson tee, that's exactly where I feel like I want to be spending my time. So, um, I want to try in the off season to continue to carve out those, you know, days and blocks of time where I can spend producing creating content and producing more of these products that I'm talking about. So, yeah, 
So with your book, uh, let's talk a little bit about that and tell our listeners how they can get a copy. Is it actually a hard book that you can purchase, a softback cover, or or is it an online uh, download for your book? It is a, a, a physical book. There's also a Kindle conversion of, of it, a Kindle um, version. So if you go on Amazon, you can purchase the book or download. Uh, I also sell directly through my own website, which is ericalarkin.com. And then I you know, sign the book and send it out um, when I get orders. So yeah, either way is great and would love to have people, if they're interested, check it out. I mean, I have quite a few videos on YouTube explaining some of the concepts in the book, but there's a lot more obviously in, in the book and a lot more uh, great visuals. And we did a nice job with the photography. It really lays everything out very well. So I prefer, I mean, the hard copy over the Kindle version, just because I feel like the book lays out really well visually when you have the hard copy. And uh, it is a softback book. It's not hardcover, but it's full, co- it's full color. Um, wow. So yeah, it's, I'm really happy with the way it came out. And, and I would love to do another book at some point, but it likely, um, you know, it's so much more so now that people are downloading and, and reading more and more and more on their devices that I next time around would probably do the book just digital. Um, yeah. Or make it more digital friendly, I should say. Sure. Yeah. That's great. And what's the name of the book? So my book is called a true swing and, uh, basically, you know, I grew up, did a lot of self-study and, and I had one mentor turn me on to, uh, Ernest Jones from a very early age and, and a lot of old school stuff. So I, uh, grew up reading a lot of that. And when I came around to actually teaching people to play golf, I certainly referenced a lot of those old school, simple thoughts and, you know, swing the weight of the club and, um, obviously feeling a lot of, a lot of kinesthetic cues that go along with that. So, that's kind of more my style. But then again, growing up teaching in the era that I did, which was really the early 2000s, you know, so much technology came out. Um, forget about video, you know, TrackMan and and um, certainly um, a lot of the biomechanics uh, programs and gears and all this stuff that, you know, I've been able to have some access to and learn from other people about um the body and certainly TPI. And I mean, all of it, when you think about how much more we know now than they did in the 1930s, um, trying to make sense of the difference between what they taught old school and some of the new school information and, and, -hmm. and and, uh, research that has come out about about golf. Um, that's kind of where I am in my generation as a teacher, as a young teacher. So this book is really my take on trying to bridge the gap between old and new. Like I try to present everything in a very simple old school way, but I also try to back up what it is that I'm teaching with the understanding from a new school perspective. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, easy read. And I basically take people step by step in trying to the, the kind of tagline of the book is unlocking your natural free swing And so like unlocking your body to understand that when you move, that a lot of things can automatically happen. So you move your body in a way you get your kind of core engine swinging and turning and rotating and you have good balance and you have good rhythm, then your arms are going to swing and your club is going to move around you and things are good. Things are going to happen if you let them, um, and try not to over control, uh, your, your movements and, uh, really trying to rid 
rid your golf swing of manipulation in the hands and the wrists. Uh, so I'm, I'm a fan of really trying to have a free arm swing, but one that is actually driven a little bit more by kind of core body movements. And so I, I feel that, you know, that's the easiest way people can reduce a lot of compensating moves in their swing and they can find their own, um, natural motion and one that feels good to them. And, uh, hopefully one that they can repeat. So well, in addition, it probably re- resists the tendency to get injured uh, as a golfer. You know, uh, right. I think a lot of times your golfers are injured from trying to put so much force on the club and try to hit so hard, you know, and they're not creating energy in their most natural ways you refer to it. And I think that's kind of a, uh, you know, a likelihood of creating potential injuries if they, if they don't know how to move. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, listen, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and and say hello or come see you and and, and schedule an appointment. All the different social media sites, your your platforms are uh, putting all that good information out there. Tell us how they can connect and come see Erica Larkin. (laughs) Thanks, Alan. So I uh, can be certainly reached at um, ericalarkin.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-L-A-R-K-I-N. And uh, on Instagram at ericalarkingolf. And um, certainly on Twitter, same same handle. Um, I also um, am on YouTube, easily searchable under my name. And uh, would love to have anybody that's interested to visit me at Creighton Farms Golf Club, which is in Northern Virginia, just about maybe 40 minutes west of Washington, D.C. So if you're in the area or driving through, I'm about 20 minutes from Dulles Airport and have definitely had some people that, you know, are flying in for business and other reasons come visit me. So uh, if you're interested in hooking up, let me know and I will be happy to uh, get you on the calendar. You can certainly book lessons right on my website as well. So. Awesome. Yeah. Erica, thank you so hey, much for spending you. your evening with us and sharing your your great skills as a golf coach. And uh, I hope everyone seeks you out and comes to say hello. Thank you. We'll come with you in the, in the beautiful area that you're in. So listeners, I want to thank Erica Larkin for being our guest tonight and reach out, say hello, tell her thanks for being on the show. And if you have any questions, I'm sure she's more than happy to connect and answer those questions for you. Uh, this has been The Forecast. I'm your host, Alan Burton. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time when we connect you to the who's who in the game of golf and grow that golf iq thanks again golfers have a great time in the fairway listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.